Today we're going to continue our summer series, and we're going to do so by talking about the, the topic of doubt. And we're going to do so by looking at a wonderful story found in the Old Testament book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, just ahead of time, you can get prepared. You can open up to Genesis chapter 17. All right, that's where we're really going to set up camp today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles or your smartphone, um, the words will be on the screen today as well. So it's in this story that we really see doubt defined. Uh, we, we begin to realize that we all have doubts in our own lives. And we're reminded about, I think most importantly, how God responds to our doubt. So at some point in our faith journey, that's what we're talking about this summer, you know, different aspects of the Christian walk, different aspects of our faith journey. So at some point in our life, every Christian will have doubts and questions. That's, that's just normal. And really what matters is not so much that we doubt, but how we handle the doubt that arises. You know, do we allow doubt to take root in our lives, dictating our spiritual growth in our lives? Or do we take our doubts to Jesus, allowing him to use our doubt as a vehicle that can lead to greater faith? That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's open with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive right into the, to the text. Father, I am grateful that we have this time together today. I pray that this time would be spent wisely. God, that as we worship you, we would do so in response to who you are and what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. That as the word is preached today, that it would not be my words, but it would be your words that people take with them. And Lord, just now I ask that individually we would prepare our own hearts to receive your word, which is living and active. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness. Remind us again of those truths today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 17 this morning. Uh, Genesis 17, will start in verses 1 through 6, and we're going to look at two different sections, and then I'm going to try to bring everything together and, and give you some context. So Genesis 17, starting in verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. He's saying, this is my promise with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And what's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. He's going to have a lot of kids. He says, your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. So this isn't the first time that Abraham or Abram has an encounter with God. But once again, God reveals himself to him, and he does so. I think this is so amazing. He does so by sharing one of his names with Abraham. He says, I am El Shaddai. And he does so by reminding Abraham of his promise to him. El, El Shaddai means God Almighty. And this name carries with it the truth that God is the all-sufficient source of all of our blessings. That God is all-powerful. And that, hear this, no problem that we face in this life is too big for God to handle. 
That's what he's saying to Abraham. He's saying, no problem is too big for me to handle. It's important to keep this in mind when we're reading Abraham's story in context and as we begin to reflect on our own lives today. We'll continue in Genesis 17, verses 15 through 22. It says, Then Abraham, or then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give her you a son from her. I I underline that word blessed because church, we're reminded even early on that children are a blessing, not a burden. Amen. Children are a blessing, not a burden. So he says, yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And then Abraham bowed down to the ground again. But listen to this. This time he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. This is a question and a command. And God replies to him, no. Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. And you will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant, saying my promise, will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. These verses illustrate for us God's interaction with Abraham and Sarah. He reminds them about the promise that he made them years ago to make them into a great nation. And it's in this story that we're given a front row seat to a couple's faith, how how it was tested and how God handled their questions and doubts. You know, to have an accurate definition for the kind of doubt that we're talking about today, we actually have to go back 24 years to when Abraham was 75 years old. Remember, he's 99 at this point. When he was 75 years old, he he actually responds in faith and obedience to God's original instruction for him to leave his homeland, go to a place he'd never been, knowing that he was going to experience things that he'd never experienced before. God promised Abraham, he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. See, but Abraham is so old at this point And if you're 75 today, I'm not saying that you're so old. But he's so old at this point. Him and his wife, Sarah, Sarai at the time, they hear God's plan, they hear God's promise, and they decide to respond by helping God's plan move a little bit faster on their own. I wonder if we do this in our own lives. God has a promise In your life, you read a promise from God in in Scripture. Maybe you have a specific prayer that you've been praying, or an issue in your family that you've you've really been concerned about. And we know God's answer, we know God's promise because it's revealed to us in Scripture. Yet we try to take things into our own hands. We try to move the process along a little bit faster. That's what Abraham and and Sarah did. In Genesis 16, so just one chapter before where we're at today, we read about how this this couple tried to speed up God's plan on their own. 
So Abraham now, he's, he's 86 years old at this point. He actually ends up having a son with Sarah's maid, Hagar. And then we read about how God is silent for 13 years. They wanted to move this process along. Sarah and, and Abraham didn't feel like they could have a son on their own. So actually, at the advice of his wife at this point, they, just, they, they make a run of terrible decisions. Now, although it was a terrible decision, remember, children are a blessing, not a burden. And I would say this morning that no matter the circumstances, no child is an accident. No child is an accident. So then when God finally appears to Abraham in Genesis 17, we see Abraham once again falling to the ground on his face. I mean, he, he must have been feeling all sorts of emotions at this point. You think about his, his track record, some positive, some negative. He, he struggled. He was faithful. He would have been in awe because of, he was in the very presence of God. I think he would have felt a sense of disappointment, embarrassment, and even fear, again, because of the choices that he'd made. I think he would have had a sense of wonder and amazement because here's Abraham having doubt, questions, kind of falling short, and here's God proving himself faithful once again. See, even after this long silence and Abraham's disobedience and doubt, God was still proving himself faithful. And from the time he left his home until now, Abraham had made assumptions about God. Assumptions about who he was for how he would carry out his promise. But God was bringing clarity. He was bringing clarity to the plan. Even after all of these years, Abraham and Sarah would still have a son together. So in Genesis 17, verse 19, God promises that even in their old age, 99 at this point for Abraham, 90 for Sarah, or 89, that even in their old age, that God's plan would come to fruition, that his plan would not be thwarted. They would have a son. And, this, and for me, this is kind of humorous because God says, not only are you going to have a son, but you're going to name him Isaac. Isaac means laughter. And if you read in chapter 17 and 18, we see both Abraham and Sarah falling to the floor in laughter about God's plan and, and, and promise. They respond in laughter. They respond in doubt. And my wife reminded me this week. I don't know why I needed to be reminded about this, but my youngest son, his middle name is Isaac. So I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But, I, you know, so God's saying, here you are laughing on the floor. And by the way, your son's name is going to be laughter. You know, I'm proving myself faithful. See, the story reminds us that God is not afraid of our doubts and our questions. I, I need you to hear that this morning. God is not afraid of our doubts and our questions. Scripture teaches that God knows our heart. We, we, we say this frequently. I mean, God's word says that he knows the number of hairs on our head. I'm losing those numbers just like every day almost. It's true. <laughs> he knows if we're looking to him for the answers when we're going through a difficult season or if we're trying to create our own shortcuts in life, just like Abraham and Sarah. You see, even a faithful couple like Abraham and Sarah had doubts about God's promises. They're, and their story, it teaches us a lot about this topic of doubt. So what is doubt? I, I think that's a hard question to answer. You know, I, I was reading a lot of commentaries this week and uh, listening to some sermons and just trying to answer this question, what is doubt? Not, not what I think doubt is or what the world says, but Scripturally speaking, what is doubt? And here's what I found. 
all the people who doubted in Scripture, they were not perfect people. You have someone like John the Baptist who at times doubted if Jesus was the Messiah when he, when he was in prison, when John was in prison. You have Jonah. You have Abraham here. You have Thomas, who we talked about last week. So here, here's what, what I believe doubt is according to Scripture. Doubt is the gap between our current faith and perfect faith. Doubt is the gap between our current faith and perfect faith. And church, hear this. If that's the case, then we're all going to doubt. Although we're a new creation in Christ, we're still imperfect people who stumble and struggle while we live on this earth. In Christ, we have the promise that we are led by the Holy Spirit, but we are still deeply flawed individuals. I think that's really what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Knowing Jesus is not about him, you know, tolerating our sin, being okay with our sin, because he's not, but it's about him loving us as he grows us into the people that he's created us to be. That's going to lead us into our first point for today. If you're taking notes, the first thing that I'd like to talk about is that followers of Jesus can still have doubts. For some of you, that's the first time you've heard this. Maybe you view doubt as a lesser thing or you know, if I'm, if I'm in Christ, doubt's not something I should be associated with. But Scripture shows us clearly that followers of Jesus can still have doubts. Abraham, who was 99 years old, he laughed in disbelief at God's promise. He, he doubted God's promise. Remember, God's original promise to make Abraham into a great nation happened when he was 75 years old. So having known God for many years, having seen God move in a big way for many years... Abraham still doubted God's power and promise. That really hits home with me because over the years I've seen God move in big ways, yet I still find myself questioning and doubting at times. And what's amazing to me is not how many times Abraham doubts the promises of God, but it's this, how God responds to Abraham's doubt. You see, even in in the midst of his doubt, God's heart towards Abraham is unchanged. Even in the midst of his doubt, God's heart towards Abraham is unchanged. When when Abraham doubts or messes up, God is right there proving himself faithful. God reminded Abraham about this promise numerous times, and he he proved himself faithful numerous times. But Abraham still wrestled with doubt. You know, I, I remember the first time that I really wrestled with doubt. It was shortly after I gave my life to Christ. I was baptized into Christ, and I was becoming more and more interested in vocational ministry. I would see what the youth pastors would do, and I, I'd sit and just listen to a sermon uh, from a pastor, and I was, I was interested in that. It just it affected me like nothing else had ever affected me before. I really believed that through God's word and through the people around me that God was calling me to a life of ministry, even though at that time I had no idea what that meant. But I also remember hearing people talk about ministry like it was this lesser thing. And maybe maybe this has been your experience. Maybe God has softened your heart over the years and has given you a heart for ministry, yet people around you talk about ministry like it's this lesser thing, like you're you're not going to make enough money. People are going to walk all over you. The people that you love and and serve every week, they're going to break your heart because you serve them one season and then they leave and go to another church the next. It's going to take up too much of your time. You're going to be married to the church and not 
your spouse. These are, these are the things that people were saying. But looking back, I want to share this with you, church. I, I believe this was Satan trying to whisper lies into my head. And while Satan was whispering lies, God was speaking truth through his word. I remember reading God's word, getting alone with God, and hearing this promise almost like someone was talking to me. I've never heard God's voice audibly, but this is as close as I've ever come. And I remember God telling me through his word that if I would follow him with my life, that he would take care of me. Over the years, I've I've doubted this promise at times. Maybe it's a strained relationship in the church or tiredness. In, in, in whatever it is that I'm doing at the time. Maybe it's something going on in our family or within our marriage. I've doubted this promise that if I follow God with my life, he would take care of me. But even when I doubt, God is faithful. Even when I doubt, God's promise is true. And as we read the stories of Scripture, we're reminded that Christ's followers are allowed to doubt. When we have seasons of doubt, God God wants to use our doubt to help grow that doubt to greater faith. I believe that Jesus even invites our doubts and questions because his plan is so much greater than ours. He wants to use those to strengthen our faith. You know, one thing that we learn from Abraham and Sarah's story is that God's people can still have doubts. Individually, you're allowed to have doubts. Number two, you can be honest with God about your doubts. And not only can you, but you should. You can be honest with God about your doubts. If we were 100% honest this morning, if we were to survey the room and you were just 100% honest, no, nothing hiding in the closet today, I think every person here would admit that they have doubts. Sometimes we doubt our salvation. You know, sometimes we doubt God's love, or or maybe the reliability of Scripture. God's Word says one thing, and we hear something completely different in culture, and we, we wrestle with the two. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a really long time, and, and sometimes you doubt the very existence of God. Maybe you're here this morning, and you doubt your identity in Christ, or who you were created to be. Maybe your story is that You've been trying to persevere in prayer. When prayer is tough, when you don't feel like praying anymore, when it seems like God is just just not going to answer the prayer. Maybe it's for one of your children or a grandchild or your marriage or work, whatever the case may be. You're trying to persevere in prayer, and you're in a season where you just doubt God's ability to answer that prayer. Maybe you doubt the promise that God has given you. He told me clear as day through his word that if I would follow him with my life, he would take care of me. And I've doubted that promise numerous times over the years. See, friends, this is what it means to live in the gap between our current faith and perfect faith. Having doubts is not always a bad thing, but it's what we do with those doubts that matter. I believe that every person will struggle with doubts, but we should never allow our doubts to turn into dead ends. I want you to hear that again this morning. Every person here is going to struggle with doubt. But we should never allow our doubts to turn into dead ends. I don't like a lot of what this pastor has to say. Um, That's just personally. But I like this. Uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick, he pastors a large church in North Carolina. Uh, You've probably heard of him. 
he says that a lot of people stand at the end of a destiny that God is bringing them into because they won't walk through the doubt to get to the promise. Hear that again this morning. A lot of people stand at, at the dead end of a destiny that God is bringing them into because they won't walk through the doubt to get to the promise. And if this doesn't describe Abraham's story, your story and my story, I don't know what does. So do you want to know how to successfully walk through your doubt? Successfully walk through your doubt so that you can get to the promise that God has for your life. Well, I believe scripture is consistent in that it starts with being honest with God about your doubts. It starts by just talking with God again. See, I think, church, we have this preconceived notion that faith is the absence of doubt. Either you're really strong in in faith or you're struggling with doubt, but the, the two can't coexist. And I don't believe that's the case. I would actually disagree. I believe that faith isn't the absence of doubt. I believe that it's the means to overcome it. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to overcome it. And when we take our doubts to God, when we're honest with God about our doubts, we're proclaiming in faith that he is El Shaddai. Nothing in our life is too big for him. There is nothing that that we experience that he can't handle. That's who he is. So many stories throughout God's word remind us that God invites our doubts and questions and that we can be honest with God about our doubts. Again, Thomas was vocal towards his friends. But it wasn't until he took that doubt to Jesus that that doubt grew to greater faith. We talked about that a little bit last week. John the Baptist questioned if Jesus was the Messiah. And it wasn't until John took his doubt to Jesus that God was able to get a hold of his life and grow that season of doubt to greater faith. Jonah doubted that God's plan was the right plan. Some of you need to hear this this morning. God's telling you to do something and you're thinking, well, my plan sounds a little bit better. But after crying out to God when he was in a really low point in life, God answered and grew his faith, took a hold of his doubt, and grew it. See, God's plan when it comes to our doubt isn't to, to, is to, is to use it as the, the vehicle that leads to greater faith. God wants to get a hold of your doubt this morning and use that as the vehicle that leads to greater faith. And this happens, church, when we're honest with God about our doubts, when we're honest with God about what we're going through in life. Whatever it is that you're doubting today, whatever you're wrestling with, you you can take that to God. You can be honest with God about your doubts. Jesus wants us to be honest because that's what makes our relationship with him authentic. It's what makes it real. See, because Jesus knows us, he knows what we think, he he knows what we feel, and he knows what we doubt. Our doubts don't surprise him. Jesus can work with our doubts, but first we have to be willing to acknowledge that they exist, and we have to be willing to take them to him. Maybe that's where you're at today, and I, I just want to encourage you with this, that you can take your doubts to God. You can be honest with him. And the last thing I think is the most important is that God is faithful even when we doubt. This has really been the theme running through this entire message today. But I want to share three verses with you that show us why this is true. So Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. 
This is a, a, a year later. Listen to this. It says, the Lord kept his word. The Lord kept his word, and he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. I love this. This is a theme that we see all throughout Scripture. This happened at just the time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Laughter. Genesis 21 reminds us that God kept his promise and he blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son. Abraham was 100 years old when they had their son Isaac. And despite the the numerous bad decisions, the wrong turns, Abraham's doubt didn't change God's heart towards him. So over the years, Abraham had proven multiple times that he was unpredictable. He was difficult to work with at times. He was, he was even untrustworthy. And these are characteristics that we all have in our lives. Every one of us. But God kept his promise. Not because of anything that Abraham did, but because of who God is. I mean, what would, what would motivate God to keep his promise? Even when Abraham and Sarah doubted the way they did. Even when they laughed in God's face the way they did. I believe it's because staying true to his word is just part of God's character and nature. It's who he is. Another name that God gives us for himself in scripture is the name Yahweh. It's God's personal name given to Moses in the Old Testament. And this name reminds us of the truth that he never changes. His promises never fail. When we doubt, God remains faithful. So my wife and I, we, we remember praying for a church family, just like OCC, for about three years. I was burnt out in ministry. I, I had done youth and family ministry for eight years full-time and, and a couple of years part-time, and I, I was just burnt out. And we knew just from going to God's Word, from the people around us who confirmed this in our lives, that God was, was calling me to, to, to preach that God was calling me to help walk alongside uh, a faithful group of elders and pastor a church. Again, this was God's plan, and I was kind of running from it, but we started to pray about this. For a long time, we knew that God had something different, something new in store for our lives, a, a church and a ministry that would be family. And again, there were, there were times of doubt. There was times of discouragement. I remember a time that we, we sat in the closet of our, flo- our floor and we just, we just prayed. We didn't know what else to do. There were times of doubt, times of discouragement while we were praying, but God fulfilled his promise to us. He told me that if I would follow him with my life, that he would take care of me. And he's always been faithful to that promise. So the question is this today. What doubts are you experiencing right now? What's going through your mind? Do you have doubts about a job? Maybe you've been at your job for a while and you just hate working with the people that you work with. Yeah, every job is going to have people like that, but it's difficult going to the same place every day and then coming home and just feeling beat down and discouraged. Maybe that's what you're dealing with. Maybe your doubt centers around your family. You know, you've, you've worked and you've, you've, put hours and time into trying to build the kind of family that you know God wants you to build and your children end up making their own decisions and they go their own ways. 
That foundation is there. Maybe right now they're just kind of living like the prodigal son. Maybe, maybe you doubt your gifting. You know, you've been coming to OCC for a while, and you hear us talk about serving and being plugged in, and, and maybe you're still just sitting on the sidelines because you don't know what to do. You hear about serving in children's ministry and going on mission trips and maybe being a part of the worship team or teaching a class, serving the homeless, whatever it is. I mean, the, for a small church, there's so many things to do here, but maybe you're doubting that opportunity, doubting that calling that God has for your life. I would encourage you to write down your doubts today. Maybe that's uncomfortable for you, but I want to encourage you to get out a piece of paper. Just keep that to yourself. Write out your doubts. God, this is, this is what I'm feeling today. This is what I'm doubting today. And then I want to encourage you to take it to God in prayer and remember these truths that followers of Jesus can still have doubts. That you can be honest with God about your doubts. And that most importantly, God is faithful even when we doubt.